The White House says impeachment is one word, two syllables that rhymes with parade. The lead starts right now. Breaking right now, a brand new CNN poll coming out on the lead, taking the pulse of the nation. Do voters want the Senate to remove President Trump? Today, the Trump legal team laying out its defense, slamming the Democrats' case as a charade and making claims that may clash with the Constitution. Plus, barnstorming with exactly two weeks until Iowa candidates flood the zone while one major newspaper is slammed for an endorsement that says either will do. This is CNN Breaking News. Welcome to The Lead. I'm Brianna Keeler in for Jake Tapper, and we begin with breaking news in the politics lead. Brand new CNN polls out this hour on the eve of President Trump's Senate impeachment trial. And this comes as the battle over witnesses takes center stage tomorrow, with more evidence coming to light on a near daily basis. CNN political director David Chalian joins me now. And uh, David, what are respondents saying here on the eve of the Senate trial? Take a look. This is the big number on the main question. Should the Senate vote to convict and remove President Trump from office? A slim majority of Americans in this poll, Brianna, 51 percent say yes, 45 percent say no. I want to show you some key demographics. It'll look like uh, how we've seen America sort itself when it comes to President Trump's approval. But take a look among women. You'll see here first 59% of women in this poll say convict and remove the president. 42% of men say so. That is a pretty significant gender gap. Again, we see that time and again in all polling related to President Trump. You'll see a familiar pattern here among race. Take a look. 86% of African-Americans vote to convict and remove is what they want to see the Senate to do. 65% of Hispanic Americans in this poll. 42% of white Americans in this poll. And age is also a telling factor. Take a look at the age divide here. Under 45 years old, 56% of those Americans want to see the president convicted and removed from office. 45 and older, only 47% want to see him convicted and removed from office. And, And David, what does America think about whether witnesses should be included in the Senate trial? This may be the most important number in the poll. 69% in this poll say, yes, witnesses should be included. Brianna, you know that 70% of Americans don't agree on anything these days. This is a huge number, and look at it by party. This is fascinating. Look at this number here. 48% of Republicans, of Republicans, believe there should be witnesses in this poll. 44% of Republicans say no. This number right here, is going to be a critical number as Democrats try to seek to get those four Republican senators over to their side voting for witnesses. This is some political power to help them do so. And what does the American public think about whether the charges against the president are true? I find this fascinating. Take a look here. Majorities for both articles think they're true. 58% say President Trump did indeed abuse the power of office. 57% say he obstructed Congress as laid out in the articles. That means that This includes people who actually don't think he should be convicted and removed. But they're saying that what he's alleged of doing, he did. Brianna? All right, David, stick around. We have more from you. Uh, I do want to bring in our panel to discuss this. So, Bill Kristol, there are 51 percent who are in favor of convicting and removing the president. This is compared to the 45 percent who are opposed. Does this surprise you? What do you make of this? You know, I think the big picture is this. Back in August, when the Ukraine story broke, or I guess it was early September, and there was the big debate, would Speaker Pelosi go to impeachment? 
Uh, I was strongly in favor of it, and I had many, many discussions and arguments with people who didn't like Donald Trump, but who thought this is very risky politically. Look what happened under Clinton. There's not majority support for doing it at the time. The numbers were about 40%. Uh, this will be backlash, backfire. Trump's approval will go up. What's amazing, what's most interesting to me is that that has not happened. The numbers aren't great for the Democrats or for those who are in favor of, but a majority in favor of conviction. Trump's approval stuck at 43%, 70% want witnesses. I think it's interesting that the public is as supportive as it is, and I think it's a huge victory for Nancy Pelosi. Anyone disagree? And, well, and yet, when you then, then there's this other question about how Democrats in Congress are handling impeachment. And 46% approve and 50% disapprove. So that's the political risk for Democrats. If, if um, particularly they're, they're from, underwater on this, they're underwater right? on that. But they so, were underwater before impeachment. Right. Well, I mean, if you asked, you approve the Democrats in Congress. It wasn't going to be any better than that anyway. So I think they've gotten away pretty scot free politically on this. But don't it, you think? I just don't think we know the answer to that yet, mm -hmm. uh, because I think if we look in these, uh, it, because what's going to matter are these members from marginal districts, and if their districts look like that, that's a problem. Yeah, and remember, flip first, it, Karen, yeah. or, because if you look, I mean, don't. Republicans are faring much worse, which is an important thing to point out. That's what you were right. going to say. Well, what I was going to say is that's part of why how this whole thing, what the rules are, how it all plays itself yeah. out is so critically important. Because, you know, if you are Lisa Murkowski, you want this to be a civilized, thoughtful process. You do not want, uh, you know, the president tweeting all over the place, Republicans losing control of the process. So I think I agree with what you're saying, but at the same time, I think how this plays out will determine where these numbers go. And remember, just last week, we were having a conversation about what did Nancy Pelosi gain by holding on to the articles of impeachment? Well, here it is. I mean, she, this is a very big win. What do you think, David? Uh, I, listen, I think we don't know yet how exactly this is going to play out. We're very likely at the peak of Democratic support because now the, essentially the Republicans are going to be able to control much of the show in the Senate. So I don't think the Democrats, I don't think, I don't think Nancy Pelosi certainly hasn't gotten hurt. Democrats haven't gotten hurt. But I'm not sure they've gotten as big a win yet, as Bill said. If, in fact, I think one of the things they're doing that's smart in this period is to put emphasis not on the facts of the case, which we've heard so many times and it's been so repetitive, but to put emphasis on the witnesses as a symbol of what's fair. Mm -hmm. And there we see that they're playing on very safe grounds uh, to push that issue and they can possibly come out of this, even if there's a, you know, they don't win the witnesses, they've got an issue. And the polls bear that out because 69% of those surveys <coughs> are in favor. Look at this, 69% say that witnesses should be included in this Senate trial. 26% say no. Okay, the other thing, Jackie, is 48% of Republicans say right. that there should be witnesses. Which is why you see the Susan Collins, Mitt Romneys of the world saying that, yeah, we'd like to see witnesses. Now, it's, there's caveats there, right? After the case has been made, and then they will decide, and there will be votes. So who these people are, uh, that also might be a, a moment of contention. Uh, but that, that's why you see you know, some of these Republicans, Mitt Romney is not a moderate, but he's someone who's known to uh, think these things through, um, are, are taking these positions. But I will say the biggest variable of all of this, Mitch McConnell can have as much control in the world. He does not control the president. That's right. He does not control his Twitter feed. <laughs> and that is going to be a, a, a free radical this entire time. Do we know what the process is? Is the vote on witnesses taking place? Is Schumer going to push it before they begin all these hearings? Or, he may, and I mean, then, Schumer and may and try to make that happen, but I think McConnell thinks he has 51 votes to go ahead with the presentation of the cases and, and, by but, the managers and the defense attorneys, but in turn and then go to a vote, and then go right. to votes on witnesses. 
But as Jackie suggests, we don't know what kinds of votes, how many. Yeah. And again, McConnell loses control once they're sitting as a court of impeachment. That's right. Senators can make, res- move, can make motions. The chief justice can make uh, determinations, which could be overturned by 51 senators. So I think it's a little more fluid and unpredictable a situation yeah. that we think John Bolton could be testifying live before the United States Senate one week from now. That's a pretty big wild card to have out there. Yeah. yeah. I thought that, you know, I thought Pelosi, I think, has played her cards very, very well on this. I have to say that McConnell had done some one thing which was really smart, and that is to veto what the president wanted to do, and that is to put the, the firebrands from the House mm-hmm. into the management team on the Senate floor. I think that would have been a circus, and he's got much more control over the kind of conversation, the tenor of the conversation, uh, with without the Jim Jordans there. Yeah, no, it's a very good point. So when you look at... All the variables, whether it's, hey, is John Bolton going to testify? Will we see Lev Parnas? Will Hunter Biden be up? Are we going to see these witnesses right away? Or is it going to be farther off in the future? And I wonder how critical you think that is, Karen, to hear from witnesses quickly, which is what Democrats want, Mm -hmm. versus later, which is more likely what's going to happen. I certainly think it becomes harder and harder for the Republicans to deny witnesses and evidence, because again, as much as they like to make the comparison to the Clinton impeachment, remember that Ken Starr was a multi-year, multi-million dollar investigation, and he turned over boxes and boxes and boxes of evidence and data, and they did actually have people come and testify. I think it becomes harder Also, the more other things are coming out, Lev Parnas coming out, the GAO report coming out saying the president did actually break the law. So I think the more these other outside factors come in to play, I think it will make it a lot harder to deny witnesses. Let's see what this says for the overall approval rating for the president. David Chalian, what is this? uh, What is it with impeachment hanging over President Trump? Yeah, it is as rock solid steady as it always is with Donald Trump. He's at 43 percent approval in this poll, Brianna, exactly where he was uh, last month. uh, 53 percent disapproval. Take a look where he stacks up now against all his modern era predecessors in January of the election year. He's down here at the bottom of that list. You see here. That is not where he wants to be, right? He's going to want to move up here. Now, we've seen people down towards the end, Bill Clinton, uh, Barack Obama, get elected to a second term. But Donald Trump is at the bottom of that list with his current 43%. Yeah, no, it's so key. And I even have heard from Democrats, I think we all have, who realize which way this is likely going to go in the Senate, barring something huge, something kind of nuclear and unforeseen that happens. They expect that Republicans are going to pretty much stick together, that they're not going to convict the president. So looking there, that may be the big this may be the number they really should be looking at. But but will this help defeat President Trump, do you think? I think normally uh, an incumbent going into the 43 percent approval is normally not, is not. In very- <laughs> normally he gets put on I, the shelf. Well, I know. Fair enough. Fair I enough. Gave you that I'll together. subside. I'll subside after <laughs> saying that. Normally, 43 percent isn't great, but. It's a different era. Well, you see this in the poll, right? right. That 45 percent of people don't think it's going to make any difference. Uh, there's not. It be, and it's it's because of this president. I, but, sorry, know, but the but the interesting thing is, it's not just that the 43 percent is rock solid. It is that the 53 percent is also appears to be rock solid. And if that's the case, the Democrats going with a 10 point advantage into the general election. That's a pretty big difference. And it makes it harder to climb. And they've got the they will have the argument this is the first president in history who had been impeached in his first term. 
Just think what a second term is going to be like. We've got a yeah. lot more from these brand new polls out. What impeachment might mean for Donald Trump's reelection chances and in those key battleground states. Plus, they call it a charade that could cause grave damage. The 100 plus pages giving us a sneak peek at Trump's impeachment defense. In our politics lead, the White House legal team dropping a 110-page defense of the president this afternoon, just hours ahead of the start of the impeachment trial. President Trump's lawyers argue he cannot be impeached because he didn't commit any crimes and claim it would have been appropriate for President Trump to bring up the Bidens with the president of Ukraine. As CNN's Caitlin Collins reports from the White House, Democrats are already firing back, previewing a testy start to the impeachment trial tomorrow. On the eve of his impeachment trial, President Trump's legal team is previewing its defense and calling on the Senate to swiftly acquit him. In a 110-page legal brief, Trump's attorneys argue that neither of the impeachment articles against him are valid because they don't include violations of the law, writing, they do not remotely approach the constitutional threshold for removing a president from office. The brief also indicates his legal team won't just attack the articles of impeachment, but will also defend his conduct toward Ukraine, including floating a baseless and debunked theory that Ukraine interfered in the 2016 election, despite his former Russia advisor testifying this. This is a fictional narrative that has been perpetrated and propagated by the Russian security services themselves. In their own brief, Democrats argue the president solicited foreign interference in the next election for his own political benefit. What neither side seems to know is whether the trial will include new witnesses. Democrats say they'll force votes and say the White House claim that the articles are invalid is, quote, chilling and dead wrong. We are going to demand votes, yes or no, up or down, on the four witnesses we've requested. But the president's legal team says witnesses aren't needed. It has to be fair. and There have, yeah. to, there have to be witnesses on both well, sides. That's the argument. It's, very, it's very simple. Trump's attorney, Robert Ray, didn't answer whether the whole legal team has met in person yet, as one of those new attorneys says he's not really part of it, despite Trump personally asking him to join. I didn't even see the brief until after it was filed. Alan Dershowitz is also reversing his stance on whether a president can be impeached without committing a crime. This is what he said in 1998. It certainly doesn't have to be a crime. If you have somebody who completely corrupts the office of president and who abuses trust and who poses great danger to our liberty, you don't need a technical crime. Mm -hmm. Now that he's representing Trump, he's arguing this. Without a crime, there can be no impeachment. Now, Brianna, just a few moments ago, the president's legal team returned back to the White House after they went to Capitol Hill for one last walkthrough before that Senate trial formally gets underway tomorrow. They also visited the vice president's office up over on Capitol Hill. That's where they're going to be holed up over the next several days, potentially weeks, as we see how long this trial is going to take. Though we should note, Alan Dershowitz was not there with the rest of the team on Capitol Hill just now. Hmm. All right. Caitlin Collins, thank you so much. Um, okay, David, you're a former advisor to President Clinton. What do you make of this White House argument that President Trump can't be impeached because he did not commit a crime? Well, <laughs> I, I think you bring in the lawyers, and I think most lawyers will tell you that that's been it's been well understood and well accepted that you do not need to have a formal uh, a violation of the criminal law in order to be impeached. That that's a standard too high. Uh, and Alan Dershowitz may argue that, but 
almost everybody else in the legal community says that's not, just not true. Um, I, I, it's interesting that in the brief that the Republicans filed over the weekend, they make basically make that argument that it's, it's got to be a criminal violation uh, to, uh, to, to count. And we expect that he'll be saying abuse of power doesn't match the level, yeah. right, of bribery yeah. or treason. That's what they are trying yeah. to say. But remember, this is also a president who said very early on in his own presidency that if the president does it, it's not illegal because I'm the president. I can do whatever I want. So and that is not a sound legal argument, but that is certainly a rhetorical argument that they've been making for quite some time. You know, look, I think this at the end of the day, though, Americans understand fairness, going back to what we were talking about before. And I think you're seeing that in these polling numbers. They understand that if you're not going to let evidence come forward or you're not going to let witnesses testify, you must be blocking something. You're stonewalling. So I think people will understand as this process unfolds and there's going to be a lot of pressure on McConnell and the Republicans to live up to what should seem like a fair process. And I don't think Americans are going to buy the argument that it has to be a criminal criminal conduct uh, in order to impeach a president. I agree. Adam Schiff made an interesting point the other day when he said there have been 15 impeachment proceedings in the Senate in our American history. Those include not just the president, but federal judges. And in every single one of those 15, there have been witnesses and there have been documents. Yeah, no, it's a very good point. Um, there's an entire section of this defense filed by the White House today that's titled, quote, it would have been appropriate for President Trump to ask President Zelensky about the Biden Burisma affair. Burisma being, of course, that uh, that energy company that the vi- former vice president's son sat on the board of. So this suggests that the legal team is really ready at this point to defend the president's actions uh, as far as uh, Ukraine instead of just attacking the articles of impeachment. What do you think of that? We'll see how they do it. Um, and but and you've heard this through the president defenders as this entire thing has gone on. If that's the case, why try to cover it up initially? If it was so above board, if it was so why say different things? Because at one point it wasn't uh, about Biden. It was just about corruption. And that's why it mattered. There have been a lot of different stories on this um, in terms of, you know, what has been said from official channels, the White House. And the story keeps changing. I guess they've settled on one at this point. But that would be my question. John Bolton, who was national security advisor to the president, had been in government for over three decades. When he heard about what was happening, told not one, but two of his different deputies, Fiona Hill and Tim Morrison, go see the White House. Stay out of this. Go see the White House counsel. This is a drug deal. If this was all so wonderful, why did John Bolton, who was not exactly a liberal Democrat in the White House, who knows the law, but is a tough minded guy willing to push, you know, push hard for his policies. Why did he react in that way? That's yet another reason why Bolton, of all the different people who could testify, would be very interesting. I mean, why, you were there in real time. Right. What so alarmed you? And, I mean, and, and I think we, three of us all worked in the White House. It's <laughs> unbelievable to tell someone, hey, this thing that just happened that the president's involved in, go see the White House counsel. I mean, that doesn't happen every day. It's not in my normal times. That's right. We're retiring that word. We talked about that. Okay, so there's the new CNN poll. We actually asked voters about how impeachment is going to affect President Trump's 2020 chances. And this is what they said. 28% say it helps him. 23% say it hurts him. 45% say it doesn't make a difference. Jackie, I mean, this is we were talking a little bit about this before, but I mean, they're just resigned to this not changing anything. Right. And I think it, when when you talk to people, you know, in, in, in various states, impeachment isn't the first thing you hear about. 
it's health care, it's, you know, a bunch of different things that actually affect their lives, which is probably what this president will end up being judged on. Impeachment is such a political process. And I think that there's so much polarization, um, both, you know, out in the country and in Washington, that uh, there is that feeling that perhaps this Washington-driven uh, situation isn't going to affect how people cast their votes. When this trial gets underway in just hours, we are expecting a long and heated day as senators battle over the format. And we're going to talk to one senator who is in the middle of it all next. We are less than 24 hours away from the start of the impeachment trial, and all signs are pointing to nothing short of a contentious battle, both on the Senate floor and behind closed doors. Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer preparing to offer at least one amendment to the impeachment rules in an attempt to get witnesses to testify and documents now blocked by the White House to be turned over to the Senate. And much of this is in closed session, and it's out of the public view. CNN's Manu Raju is live on Capitol Hill. And, and Manu, you have some brand new reporting about how all of this is going to unfold tomorrow. Tell us. Yeah, once Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell um, unveils that organizing resolution, which has not been publicly released yet, but would set the parameters of the trial, then the Senate is going to begin uh, what could be a very contentious fight over that resolution. Now, we expect the beginning of that debate to be in an open session, to be public. And when that is debated, it won't be senators debating on the Senate floor. It will be the impeachment managers on the House side making the case for Democrats and the president's defense team making the case for for the Republicans. Now, once that resolution debate has con- been concluded after two hours, then the Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer will offer an amendment to try to require witnesses and documents to be produced as part of the trial. Now, that is something that will also be debated for about two hours, and then that vote will eventually go down. Republicans are expected to reject that, and it's uncertain whether or not Schumer could offer even more amendments. He's allowed to do just that, but if he does, that could continue to delay the opening arguments of these proceedings. Now, Brianna, you mentioned it, though. Senators could move into closed session at virtually any time. 51 senators would have to vote to go into closed session because senators are not allowed to talk. And if they do want to talk or debate, that's when they would go into that private session. So a lot of uncertainty about exactly how this will play out. But no question about it, there will be a fight at the beginning of tomorrow's highly anticipated trial, Brianna. Are you getting a better sense of how long this is going to last? Well, it's still uncertain because, as I said, Mitch McConnell has not detailed the exact procedures under the resolution that he plans to put forward as late as tomorrow. But what we are hearing from our sources that Republicans are looking at structuring the trial to essentially allow for 24 hours on each side. And that would be split up into two days. So 12 hours apiece on each side for opening arguments. And then after that, the, each sen- the senators would have about 16 hours to question. And those questions would be done. They'd write the questions down. The chief justice would actually say uh, those questions. But Democrats are expected to object if they move that, that on those uh, uh, Outlines outlined there because under the Clinton standard, there were 24 hours, but it was split among four days. But we're looking at potentially 12 days apiece. Still, again, unclear what if Mitch McConnell goes that route. But if it does, expecting to fight over that as well, Brianna. 12, these 12 hour stretches, right? You mean, uh, you said yeah. 12 days, but you mean 12 hours. That's incredibly 12 long. 12 hours, on yeah. It. Long, uh, early in the afternoon to late at night, potentially. Very, very late. All right, Manu, thank you so much. Live for us from Capitol Hill and a big week and several weeks ahead of you, perhaps. Let's talk now to Democratic Senator Doug Jones of Alabama. He is a juror in the impeachment trial. Sir, thank you for joining us. My pleasure, Brianna. Thank you. 
What do you think about in this defense memo submitted by President Trump's legal team that they insist the president did not commit a crime and that he was right to ask Ukraine to look into the Bidens and Burisma? Well, I haven't read that in full detail. I've been studying the House manager's report, and I'm going to start looking at the president's. It was just filed today. Uh, I don't think he has a right to simply look into something and withhold congressionally approved aid. Uh, We need to look at all of the facts here, and we'll just see. I think that right now what we need to hear is the the legal arguments from both sides, and let's look at the facts and see how this picture turns out. I think right now you're just seeing uh, both sides being advocates, and we'll have to see how that shakes out. Would you support a rules package that allows witnesses, but only later in the process, not in the beginning, which is what Democrats say they want? If it just, quote, allows for a vote, I would not support that. I think we need to do this on the front end. I have been consistent about that. I've said all along that the president should not be blocking witnesses and and should be uh, participating in this. I think the American people need a full, fair and complete hearing. So I'm not going to vote for a package that does not allow for witnesses on the front end. So the House managers and the president's team can start that process to pose those witnesses now to try to make sure that this goes as efficient as possible. One thing I worry about is that this thing is just going to get jammed in front of the American public. And all of a sudden we're going to get uh, an argument made. Well, we just don't need witnesses because it's just going to drag it out into February. That's just not right. It's not fair. And I think the American people deserve better. If you do get to call witnesses, um, as you're very well aware, the trade-off could be that Republicans will get witnesses. That would be an expectation. Would you be okay with Hunter Biden testifying? Well, I think that somebody has to look and see the relevance. I'm okay with any witnesses witnesses that have relevance to the charges. Is he relevant? No, I haven't. I don't think it is. That's just that's my opinion right now, and I think the Chief Justice would be the first to uh, rule on that. It doesn't seem to me that what was going on in 2015 with Hunter Biden uh, is relevant to the underlying charge of what this president has been charged for. If others have a disagreement, then they can feel free to call uh, Mr. Biden. But I don't see the relevance in that. I'd like to I think that there are witnesses. And remember this, even witnesses that the House managers want to call will be cross-examined by the president's lawyers. The president has complained that he's not gotten due process, that he didn't get to participate, even though he was invited to in the House Judiciary Committee. Any witness now is subject to cross-examination by the president's very able counsel. So that's the truth-telling part of this. Cross-examination is the great tool for uh, seeking the truth. Uh, There's a new CNN poll, and it finds that people in battleground states are evenly split here. 49% Uh, who say that President Trump should be removed from office. Your state, of course, isn't a battleground state. You only won your seat by two points, and I think that was a giant surprise pretty much to everybody. Can you get reelected in a red state like that if you vote to convict and remove the president? I'm going to get reelected regardless, Brianna. It doesn't matter that. I'm going to be able to, whichever way I vote, I'll be able to come back to the people of Alabama and do two things. Number one, I'll be able to explain my vote and justify it according to my oath and my, uh, the Constitution. The second thing, I can point to a record of success. In only two years in the United States Senate, we'll be going on three uh, in November of success for the people of Alabama. And that's what folks are looking for. They're looking for health care. They're looking for uh, rural broadband. They're looking to make sure their hospitals are open and they got workforce development. They're looking for a fair shake for all people, one Alabama, not just for the rich and the famous. 
So that's what's going to carry me over the threshold in November. Senator, thank you so much. Doug Jones of Alabama, we appreciate your time. It's my pleasure, Brianna. Thank you. We have breaking news right now. President Trump and there you see Vice President Mike Pence are visiting the Martin Luther King Jr. Memorial in Washington, D.C., not far from the White House, on this holiday recognizing the civil rights icon. The president and vice president laid a wreath there at the memorial site on this day last year. And coming up, from refusing a handshake to walking arm in arm, Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders share a moment today as tensions rise with another big-name candidate. The top Democratic candidates barnstorming Iowa with exactly two weeks left until the first presidential contest. And today, before locking horns again, they linked arms, marching in unity to honor Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. As CNN's Arlette Signs reports, it's a show of unity that is short-lived. With the Iowa caucuses two weeks away, the 2020 Democratic field out in full force. First, stopping in South Carolina, where the rivals marched arm-in-arm for Martin Luther King Day. (laughs) Then, many of them rushing this afternoon to Iowa for separate events across the Hawkeye State, as tensions simmered among the top tier of candidates. Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders facing off over Social Security. Biden accused the Sanders campaign of promoting a 2018 video, which takes the former vice president out of context by suggesting he wanted to cut the entitlement program. But it is simply a lie, that video that's going around. And I'm looking for his campaign to come forward and disown it, but they haven't done it yet. Sanders is defending his criticism of Biden's record on Social Security. On the issue of Social Security, time and time again, uh, Joe Biden has been clear in supporting cuts uh, to Social Security. But Biden's also issuing a warning about how a Sanders or Elizabeth Warren nomination could affect other Democrats on the ballot come November. I'm just asked a rhetorical question. Bernie's the top of the ticket in North and South Carolina or, um, uh, or uh, uh, Warren's the top of the ticket, how many Democrats down the line you think are going to win? As the 2020 contenders focus on the early states, a pair of rivals picked up a national endorsement. In an unprecedented move, the New York Times editorial board announcing it's backing Amy Klobuchar and Elizabeth Warren for president, writing, both the radical and the realist models warrant serious consideration. If there were ever a time to be open to new ideas, it is now. That's why we're endorsing the most effective advocates for each approach. And soon four of the presidential contenders will turn their attention from the campaign trail to Capitol Hill. Senators Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, Amy Klobuchar and Michael Bennett all preparing to return to Washington to sit as jurors in President Trump's impeachment trial. That could take them off the campaign trail for a good chunk of time in these final weeks before voting begins. Brianna. It will be an interesting time. Arlette, thank you so much for that. Okay, let's talk about the New York Times editorial board endorsing Uh, both Amy Klobuchar and Elizabeth Warren. And one of the biggest arguments from the paper is that selecting these two over Sanders and Biden uh, is that those men are too old. It's really time to pass the torch. What do you think? bit of a cop-out, the whole the whole piece. I mean, the whole point of an endorsement is that you pick one. Make a choice. Make a choice. Help people make their choice. But look, if you are Amy Klobuchar, that is a great yeah. something to send out to your donors and didn't hurt Elizabeth Warren either. 
Uh, I can't imagine Bernie like being called old, although he said it, I guess, on a radio interview the other day. Uh, you know, I, I do think what the one thing they pointed out about Warren that I think was important is she ha- is a very effective advocate for her policy ideas. Even if you disagree with her, she has done a really excellent job on the campaign trail and explaining mm-hmm. what she wants to do and how she wants to do it. And so good to see her get some credit for that. What do you think? Old, the, they're old white guys, basically. They're saying, too old, it's time to pass the torch. Uh-huh. Well, some people say that about the New York Times. The establishment, traditionalists, and so forth and so on. The, uh, listen, I thought it was a terrific break for her. Uh, she's still a very big long shot uh, to win in Iowa early on, but she's been coming up. She has good debates. Uh, but one, one thing I think this did do is that if she's not the nominee, she's a sure bet to be on the short list for vice president. Um, and I think that the, the article helped her a great deal in that. Particularly when she's going to be sitting in a, in a, as a juror um, yeah. in, you know, for we don't know how many weeks. Um, it's really going to be a test of the organization of these candidates um, that, that have already like, have, um, you know, planted in the state. Um, while you've got these other candidates that are running around, like Biden and Buttigieg, who are going to be able to keep having those face-to-face interactions with voters um, as time ticks by ever closer uh, to the caucuses. You want to be the contrarian on this? Do you think it's? <laughs> do you think that the New York Times has suffered unduly for this choice? I feel in the spirit of the New York Times. I want to say that Jackie and Karen are my, I endorse them both. <laughs> and David and Brianna. Good. good with all of you guys. Kind of pathetic after all the hoopla and lead up to it. You know, and then they, they do represent a fundamental choice, I would say. Amy Klobuchar, a more moderate Democrat, Elizabeth Warren, the, the sort of uh, uh, standard bearer of progressivism. It's kind of weird. That's one of the major issues in the race, right? Yeah. Does the party go sort of Clinton Democrat or does it go progressive Democrat? And the New York Times is sort of, well... I said yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're sending, they're, you know, devil's advocate. They're sending a message, right, which is that they think they think that the party should unite, perhaps. What do you think, Behind Karen? who? Uh. <laughs> Look, the party is going to have to unite, and the country is going to have to unite. I mean, you know, this we are in such a div- divisive period of our history. And that's one of the things that I think Biden does a good job of talking about. And I would like to see the other candidates talk a little bit more about healing this country in the aftermath of the Trump presidency is going to be no small task. And you, we yeah. will need someone who has the gravitas to be able to do that. I do think we're going to start seeing a shift now if Joe Biden has essentially Iowa to himself with a few others uh, for the next two weeks. And, there, and these, these four are shut down. Two weeks. I, that, we've never seen anything like that before. I think the question arises, can they go on television at night after the proceedings are over in the Senate and make their case? Yeah, and will it be enough since they can't be in Iowa? That. Officials today are on edge with some heavily armed protesters turning out to rally against gun restrictions. Today, thousands of protesters, some heavily armed, rallying in Virginia's state capitol, protesting legislation that would restrict access to guns. As CNN's Nick Valencia reports, officials feared violence after the governor said there were threats from extremist groups. We will not comply! We will not comply! They came by the thousands, flooding the streets of Virginia's capital. Second Amendment and God! Gun rights activists, some heavily armed, carrying semi-automatic weapons and wearing body armor, protesting legislation that would restrict access to firearms in the state. We're here to represent every citizen here that wants to keep the right to bear arms. 
an event the governor and state law enforcement officials feared would get out of control, instead was peaceful. I wanted to come out here and show them that uh, I can come out here, act reasonable. But in the days leading up to the rally, Virginia officials worried the worst could happen. A perimeter was set up around Richmond's Capitol building. Outside of it, thousands roamed with weapons in hand. Inside of it, no guns allowed, after Governor Ralph Northam issued a temporary weapons ban, citing credible threats of violence from extremist and white nationalist groups. Intelligence shows a threat of armed militia groups storming our capital. Last week, the FBI arrested three alleged members of a radical neo-Nazi group, two accused of having machine guns and planning to attend the rally. The kind of concern the governor cited in issuing the temporary weapons ban, which the governor's critics say was political theater. You don't believe that there's credible threats? I don't think there's credible threats. I think what I see around here are very legitimate gun owners who have legitimate gripes with the government, and Ralph Northam is trying to pettifog the issue and portray it as something that it's not. At the core of the protesters' anger is the belief the governor and the legislature, controlled by the Democrats, are attempting to restrict gun ownership. The state Senate last week passed three gun control measures. As a result, some protesters circulated petitions to recall the governor. There might be left far right and far left groups that might be out here today, but the vast majority of the message is guns save lives, and we believe in the Second Amendment. An estimated 22,000 people showed up here at today's event, 6,000 estimated here in the state grounds, another 16,000 here in the streets where you're allowed to open carry your weapon. And I did just speak to a source in the Virginia State Police Department who tells me they're very pleased with the way the event went today. The fact that no one was injured, they said, is a testament to how successful it was. Brianna? All right, Nick, thank you so much. Nick Valencia in Richmond, Virginia. A first for a military branch that's been around for nearly 250 years. We'll have that next. This afternoon, the U.S. Navy announced it is naming its newest aircraft carrier after mess attendant, second-class Doris Miller, a World War II veteran who leapt into action during the attack on Pearl Harbor. The Navy says Miller loaded and fired a machine gun until he ran out of ammo, a weapon that Miller had not even been trained to operate because he was an African-American in the segregated military. The USS Doris Miller is the first aircraft carrier named for an enlisted sailor and for an African-American. And a reminder, the historic impeachment trial of President Trump begins tomorrow. Tune in to CNN for special coverage all day. And our coverage on CNN continues next. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, host of the Chasing Life podcast. In honor of our 10th season, we want to hear from you. Leave us a message at 470-396-0832 and tell us how you chase life. It could be used on an upcoming episode.